You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, August the 7th. I'm your host, D.A. And some unfortunate news, this little experiment of ours going around the country and giving you the best of sports radio and sports talk every single day, unfortunately comes to a conclusion. A premature conclusion, but a conclusion nonetheless. And so today... On the final episode of Around the Dial, since we like to refer to this as ADT, we'll give you a different set of letters for an acronym to describe our farewell. So we begin with the first cut, F, as in fly, Eagles, fly. Doug Peterson, head coach, Eagles, do you play the starters in the preseason? Here to the head coach in Philly with Angelo Cataldi, WIP. Doug, have you made a decision yet on Carson? Yes. And? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you do, what do you know think I, What do you think I should do? Uh, well, we just, we have an internet poll. 51% of the fans, almost 50-50, want you to play them. Yeah. The other half like is like, well, we don't really want them to get hurt. We love Carson, and we want him to be totally ready for when the games count. Well, listen, there's there's obviously a fine line. Um, we, we get so much work done with our starters in training camp these days, and, and now you're seeing more and more teams around the league uh, practice against one another. Um, you know, we got Baltimore here in a couple of weeks, and, and like I said, our, our starters, I, the, way I, the way I structure practice is that our, our guys, our starters, who we think are going to be there week one, get the majority of the snaps in, in, in practice here in training camp. And, and so from that standpoint, they are getting a ton of work. Now, there are guys that have missed, you know, um, a substantial amount of games. Carson being one of them, we understand that. Uh, so there is that fine line of, you know, this is the first preseason game. So do do you risk put him out there? And you know, I, probably nothing's going to happen. I mean, it's the first preseason game, but go back to his rookie season, right? And and we had a rib issue with with Carson that first game. So, you know, I got to balance that, and and I got to think of the team as a whole. And he's not the only player that. Uh, that I, uh, you know, am thinking about uh, during this time. There's, there's many other guys. I mean, you look at Jason Peters, who doesn't necessarily play a ton. You look at Darren Sproles on offense. I mean, you know, there's guys that you could go right down the roster and say, hey, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't play. So um, I'm still going to hold that decision. I, you know, we're going we're gonna to meet today as a staff again and go over the, you know, the playtime sheets and, and um, you know, make a decision as we go. Doug? The, the philosophy on how to use your players during the preseason has evolved a lot from when you played. Right, I, uh, the first preseason game when you were here and Donovan was here, um, you both got quite a bit of action. Can you explain why it's changed over the years? I think, I think number one, well, the rules the rules have changed the game just a little bit. Uh, the way we the way we practice uh, has has sort of back then. Um, you know, we we had two practices a day. Guys could get a ton of reps. You know, Donovan obviously again was the the, the future of the of the organization. I was kind of warm in the seat for him, as we all know. And um, you know, so I think I think from that standpoint, things have changed. And, and Coach Reed back then really really wanted to see what Donovan could do. Um, you know, in the in the preseason games and. 
But now you fast forward to today's game, and, and like I said earlier, you know, teams are really – I mean, the Patriots are – going three times against three three different opponents in training yeah. camp and teams are doing at least two or we're doing one and I would even consider doing more uh of practicing against other teams because what you can do is you can can you can control that environment you can't control a preseason game okay you can't control the opponent at least in a in a practice setting we can control as coaches the environment how what we're going to work on how we're going to do it the tempo, how many reps each, everybody's going to get. So that's the biggest difference that's changed, I think, since uh, since the days of, uh, you know, I played with Coach Reed. We're at the point in time where what even do the starters get out of playing together? I mean, just nobody wants to get anybody injured because there's little to no hitting in any of the preseason or training camp. So why start in the games? Sit the starters. It worked for the Rams last year. They ended up in the Super Bowl there's no way Carson Wentz should be on the field. I don't care if he's coming back from an injury or not. Our next cut is I, as in incredible, as in Deshaun Watson's play since he's entered the league and really back when he was at Clemson as well. Watson can do everything except Houston Texans don't want him to have to do everything. So here is the Texans QB with Clint and Kamla on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. A little different day. Got rough out there a little bit. Saw you get knocked down one time, man. What's your what's your response to that? Uh, it's, it's football, you know. It's football. We all competing. We all trying to get better, and that's pretty much it. What, I mean, is it a little different energy effort? I mean, just guys seem to be going a little bit harder, obviously, in a in a joint practice like this. Uh, no, I mean that's the way we practice. So uh, it doesn't doesn't change anything for us as a, as the Houston Texans. Uh, we practice. We compete. We thud. Uh, we go after balls. We. You know, on defensive side, we rush and we do all these things. So uh, it doesn't change anything for us. So you mentioned before coming here that you were going to talk with Aaron Rodgers and just kind of hang out with him a little bit. Were you able to do that? And if so, uh, what did you maybe talk with him about? Uh, I mean, I just really seen him out here uh, just because of the time. Sorry about that. About the time difference and uh, just the scheduling. But, um, I mean, we just, you know, really just friendly talk. Not not too much about football. Uh, we just kind of, you know, watch each other, watch each other during drills and and just, you know, just kind of, you know, casual talk, uh, nothing too major. Camp in general, the year, I mean, you're a technician. You're always working on, on your craft and getting better. This camp, big picture, nine or ten practices in, what, what are you specifically working on to get better and improve on? Uh, the details of everything, detail of, uh, of my fundamentals and uh, my technique as, as, you know, being in a pocket and, and operating a whole offense and just a – uh, being able to knowledge of the offense and defenses, uh, knowing where to go at the ball, knowing what the defense is trying to do versus yeah. us, and uh, knowing exactly you know what Tim Kelly and Coach O'Brien is wanting wanted to do with this offense and what we you know want to move with guys around and, and the reason behind that. Sean, on a scale of one to ten, grade your play so far in training camp. Uh, it's been great. It's been good. Just trying to get one percent better. Uh, trying not to you know be inconsistent. Trying to be as consistent as I can. Uh, correct the mistakes that I make and uh, just kind of keep moving forward. So it's been good. So chippy and competitive couple of days here and there. Uh, what did you learn about your teammates out here? Uh, we compete. You know, we all, you know, for each other. It's uh, it's not just one or two players out here. It's all 90, 90 uh, guys out here. And uh, we one team, we won Texans, and uh, that's the main focus is uh, we take care of uh, each other and uh, we try to get better. 
Sean, where, how do you balance, man? You guys, and I don't know if that's, I think it's your style of play. I've watched you in college and then here and watched as much film as anybody other than you probably of yourself. Um, but you guys want to drive the football down the field. You're comfortable holding the ball and driving it down the field. Um, are you concerned at all about being able to take care of your body and, and, and grow as a quarterback uh, without getting rid of it quicker and focusing on a few different things? Uh, I mean, there's times uh, where, where, you know, I got to get rid of the ball quick and you know, help myself up the whole offense. But, as far as taking care of my body, um, you know, I do everything I can on outside of football to make sure I do that. But, um, you know, taking hits and things like that doesn't bother me. Um, I grew up that way. I grew up taking hits. I grew up playing defense. I grew up, you know, running the ball. So as far as taking hits, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I only can control what I can control and, and try to focus on that. What about the, the running back position? I don't need I don't need anything specifically to the, the transaction that took place, but just the running back position overall and young guys stepping in and, and being in the huddle next to some of those young guys. How about that responsibility? Uh, I mean, just making sure they're on the same page with the whole offense, knowing what are, you know the protection is and, and you know what type of uh, you know route console it is. If they got a free release or if they got to stay in and block and then release and different things like that. So I just kind of remind them, but um, I'm comfortable with those guys. Those guys come in and, and work hard and. And uh, you know, make few mistakes. So uh, you know, they're just gaining that trust with the whole team, and uh, they're doing a great job. Deshaun, how much you missing Nick Martin out there? Nick Martin? Oh, for sure. Everyone wants <laughs> Nick Martin out there. You know, Greg Mintz is holding his own and, and doing what he do. Um, but of course, once Nick get back, um, that's another addition for the O line to, to be able to you know tag in and another great player to help us out. If the Texans are going to compete deep into the playoffs. The one thing they can't do is make Deshaun Watson be everything to everybody. They've got good enough talent around him if they can pick up some of the slack. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. The defense with Clowney and Watt should be another solid piece of the puzzle for them. The Texans can go deep, but only if they don't make Watson have to be incredible on every play. In Green Bay, it's a brand new marriage, and so... Our third cut is about N, as in newlyweds. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are tying the knot. Can it work? Here's Michael Lombardi, who joined Chuck and Winkler on 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee. I think, you know, what's happened here at the Packers is, and I think you have to go back before Lombardi came in 1960 and 1959. You know, this is the first time that a president of the team, Mark Murphy, is really the spokesman for the team. He is the guy driving the team, and I think that's been changed, the dynamic has, and I think it's going to be interesting how the floor fits within this dynamic and how Rodgers does as well. You know, this whole... Rogers Lafleur relationship. I feel like it's really under a microscope because already I think people and he brought it up there because Lafleur says he wants to have joint practices. Rogers doesn't like it, and he, you know this comment. You know, it'd be great if it uh, doesn't happen for another fourteen years. But I feel like every little move, uh, uh, anything, anything these guys say is going to be glorified a little bit because of Rogers' past relationship with McCarthy, and then if Lafleur and Rogers can get on the same page. Yeah, well, look, here's the reality, okay? Rodgers is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, and he's being coached by a guy that was in the bottom third of offenses last year. Now, now maybe LaFleur has the great mind, and he can turn this around, but part of standing in front of the team, especially of a player of the magnitude of Rodgers, you've got to bring credibility. You've got to be able to say, hey, here's what I did. Now, when Mike Holmgren and Matt and Brett Favre started out together, they started out together. It was the journey that began with both of them, and their careers manifested itself. Rodgers already has a career. LaFleur's trying to build his. If they would have hired, say, Mike Shanahan, for example, as the head coach of the Packers, Rodgers would have come in and said, okay, I get it. You coached John Elway. You've won Super Bowls. 
I've got great respect. That's not going to happen. LaFleur's got to convince himself to Rodgers that he's the guy. Murphy doing this shows you that really it's going to be a challenge for the Packers to be able to adopt through this offensively because Rodgers is going to have his opinions on what he thinks is right, and LaFleur is going to have a harder time challenging because he's not going to be able to turn on the Tennessee Titan film from last year and say, see, this is how we did it in Tennessee. This is why we were so good on offense. You were an uh, executive for a long time in the NFL. Three Super Bowls to your name. Michael Lombardi, Radio.com Sports NFL Insider. When you see the way that Mark Murphy does it here, do you, do you, do you think he's doing a good job? I, I, I completely, you know, I think the game, look, I worked for Al Davis, and Al Davis owned the team. You can't control the game from the president's chair. The head coach has to have some cachet. It's got to run through him. And the general manager and I was one in the league. And I, you've got to work for the head coach. The head coach has got to be able to set the table and the culture for the organization. When it's coming from the owner or it's coming from Mark Murphy, the culture tends to get shifted. Who works for who, right? And when you start to de- designate different roles, Mark Murphy's the president. You know, we have an offensive coordinator. We have Mike Pett in the defense court. When we're not talking about the team totally, when we're talking about individual units, we have what I call subcontractors. And when you have a subcontractor mentality in the NFL, it's hard to get everybody organized and focused in the same direction. You talk about losing playoff games, you're talking about complementary football. And the only way to get complementary football is to have one supreme commander running the team at the head coaching position. And I think when you look at the teams, and that's why Bill Walsh said to me in 1984, we're only competing against eight, because there was a time in the league when there was only 28 teams that only eight could really do it. And I think still it's still the eight. Both sides have to give here. Matt LaFleur needs to give control over the offense in many ways to Aaron Rodgers and not be stubborn like Mike McCarthy was. But Aaron Rodgers also needs to cede some control over to the head coach, over to the offensive minds. He can't be expecting to do everything on his own terms. If they can somehow come to a conclusion and somehow come to a working relationship like that, the sky's the limit for the Green Bay Packers, considering just how great Rodgers can be. Our fourth cut is the letter A, as in Raiders, as in the Raiders, as in the final season in Oakland. Hard Knocks on HBO debuted its first episode last night with Oakland. And what did we learn? Well, here's Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Mediocre, Roy? Mediocre first episode or what? Man, it depends on what you're watching for. I'm always watching, to be honest, for the behind-the-scenes kind of commentary. The Greg Olson moments from All or Nothing when he's just making jokes and clowning around. Those are the things that I find the most enjoyable because it's not the X's and O's. But if you're looking for explosive stuff, if you're looking for massive confrontations, big-time blow-ups between coaches... That was not really a major part of last night's episode. Okay. Yeah, I got one tweet from Matolo being like, oh, I'm, I'm looking at Derek Carr at the pool with his wife. That's not football. I turned it off. Okay. Oh, if, God. You, maybe you want to see that. I like seeing the off-the-field stuff with how these guys 
really are. See everything. Yeah. On the field and off the field. Yeah, That's the, the pers- whole point of it. The personalities yeah, of it. Yeah, it's a behind yeah. the scenes thing. In that moment, he talks about Antonio Brown and all the stuff that he did in the offseason, their previous relationship, and how AB had been hitting him, hitting him up since he had been traded to try to get work in. So it was a real credit to Antonio Brown and his work ethic. But let's kick it off as we get to training camp. John Gruden addressing the team. And this is kind of the opening shot that reminds you how many characters are in the room? Mike Mayock, Antonio Brown, Derek Carr, Vontez Burfecht is uh, is sitting in there. They have three rookies on the team, all of them sitting there taking it all in as John Gruden addresses the team. Don't have a lot of rules. Don't be late. Try not to be overweight. Bust your ass and use common sense. That pretty much sums it up. I do also want to reiterate, I don't want any rookie hazing. Okay, now... If you guys have them sing the fight song or something like that, I'm all for that. But be professional with these guys. They've earned that much. We've worked our asses off to bring this group together, to turn this franchise around and create an identity and create a culture that can carry us on into the future. The owner, Mark Davis, uh, has a lot of pride, man, in the history of this organization. And there's a saying around here, once a Raider, always a Raider. We are gonna be physical. Most importantly, we're going to be smart and we're going to be relentless. You can lead the league in effort because it takes no talent. It's just a decision that you make. We have a chance to be one hell of a big story this year, man, if we put our heart and soul into this football team. We want to win and we want to win now. Knock on wood if you're with me, okay? (laughs) I love, wow, what a great clip. Knock on wood if you're with Mm. me. It's Knock on wood, doesn't that go like opposite of what you're saying? That's an anti-jinx thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's an anti- uh, what does he mean? Gruden gives this whole speech about leading the <laughs> league in effort and how good they could, could be, and then be like, all right, now knock no, on no, wood. Knock on wood. Uh, but I love that clip right there. That's I always love opening. Normally we get a little bit of Jason's uh-huh. opening speech. Yeah, we will. But I haven't heard or seen one word about it this year. Well, the Cowboys, are put, they, they've put together their own kind of hard knocks type thing. The process. Yeah, the process. God. It is it's called, almost like they're making fun of the coach. Yeah. <laughs> it is called the process. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right, uh, that's clip one from Hard Knocks. Yes, what sir. What else we got, Roy? Let's get to work. We got to get to the practice field, boys. And as we know, you know, the opening clip of the show was all about Antonio Brown's foot issues. They did not give us a close-up shot of his feet, thank goodness. He, he uh, but, did that on Twitter. Yeah, he, he did that himself. <laughs> I actually think John Gruden can rehab some of his image with this series. You know, right now he's kind of looked as a character, more Chucky than head coach. And if he just stays away from this type of caricature, this type of Hollywood-esque script writing NFL, this is what the character, the actor is supposed to be, then the Raiders head coach in John Gruden just might end up looking like he used to look the first time around with the Raiders. But it's going to have to be real moments, authentic moments, and not just playing and reading from a script. Let's do that one more time. Okay, I got that out of my system. Number five, our next cut is L, as in library, as in video library. The defensive coordinators are going to have for footage on Patrick Mahomes. But even if DCs and coaches have more tape and film on Mahomes, are they any closer to stopping him in this year? Well, here's Show and Verd on KCSP in Kansas City, Sports Radio 610. To say that 
defensive coaches getting tape and being able to watch tendencies and watch things that he was good at and then watch things that he may have struggled in to say that that, <laughs> that, that won't help them is wild to me. Yes, I'm not saying they're going to stop them, but I'm saying is you get tape on them, you feel better about ways that you can can maybe put solutions or attempted solutions to make things tougher for him. Right, but your point, the first time and the only time recently you've really gone in on the fact that there's all this tape about Patrick Mahomes is when I posed the question yesterday during shop talk and even prior to that when we talked about the running back position. You have said the running backs on this team are so average. The only thing that I'm really looking for is who can protect? Who can protect Patrick Mahomes? Who's the best at pass pro? That's the number one thing for them. Right. If running back doesn't matter for this year's team because they are going to be so pass heavy, if the running back's going to be utilized most out of the backfield in the passing game, why can't I expect another prolific season, another all-time season from this offense? Why can't I expect this offense once again to put up numbers that put them in the conversation for greatest offenses of all time? And one of your responses has been because of the tape that's out there on Patrick Mahomes. I understand that you could see, hey, if you hit him, he's not as good because that's the... That's what the tape tells you about Tom Brady. If you can hit him, if you can get in his face, I don't need tape to tell me that if you hit a quarterback, that's when they're at their worst. I think everyone knows that, including Patrick Mahomes. Outside of hitting him, which is easier said than done, especially for a guy as nimble as Patrick Mahomes, I still don't see the reasoning of there's tape on Mahomes Oh, okay, now I understand why they aren't going to be one of the greatest offenses of all time, why they can't match what they did a season ago. The tape, to me, doesn't stop them, hinder them, or preclude them from becoming a top-five offense once again. Yeah, I think it's the number one thing that does. Um, We watched it happen last year. We watched the tail end of the season last year, how much more successful defenses were when they played the Chiefs. We watched the Patriots perform better than they did the first time, shutting him out in the first half and shutting the Chiefs' offense out in the first half. The Chiefs were at full strength. And listen, as I said before, this guy is special, just like those other great quarterbacks I've named. You're not going to stop him, but you may, he may put 30 on your ass in the second half like he did. You're not going to stop him, but New England's defense played better against them the time they saw him. And then you'll say, okay, well, that's Belichick. Well, Seattle's defense played better against the Chiefs than teams did earlier. Baltimore's defense played better than teams did earlier. As the season progressed, teams played or played better And you think that was because of the tape? Oh, I, yeah, I think it's because they got to see weeks 12, 13, 14 weeks of him. Yeah, but Denver looked good against him, and that was week four. That was just a good defense. Baltimore's a good defense. New England's a good defense. And yet he was still able to average just about 30 points against those three teams. And I think, and I think yes, Denver is a good defense and Baltimore is a good defense. But I also think the tape, even the tape that Denver had on him, 
help them. I don't think that he is going to run rough shot early in the season as he did last year on teams as much as he did because they've got tape on it. We've seen it in the NFL with a bunch of players that when they get tape on you, when they can see you, defensive coordinators can see you, they find easier ways or better ways to slow you down. Look, Mahomes is a special breed, and just because you have game film on him doesn't mean you're any closer to stopping him. Mahomes is going to figure out ways to be ahead of the curve. And sure, he might not throw for 5,000 yards this year and 50 touchdowns, but he didn't have to for the Chiefs to win a lot of football games. And it wasn't like every year Peyton Manning or Dan Marino just kept setting the bar higher and higher. It was about owning defenses, understanding tells, and the sophistication behind the offense getting higher and higher to get them to the next level in their personal career, and then that meant where the offense could go from there. Finally, the sixth letter, E, as in education. Should sports agents, namely those taking players from the NCAA and college basketball to the NBA, need a four-year education, a four-year degree? That is the new necessity and regulations, which is now being called the Rich Paul Rule Let's listen into the Damon Bruce Show on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. John Rothstein of CBS Sports breaking the news today that the NCAA has officially added new criteria for NBA agents representing potential NBA draftees in the pre-draft process while keeping the option open to return for school. Among the new criteria are a requirement of having a bachelor's degree, something that well-known agent Rich Paul conveniently does not happen to have, and he likes to talk about how he doesn't happen to have a bachelor's degree. It is impossible for me to see this as anything other than not even just a shot at Rich Paul specifically, which it clearly is in my book, but also an attempt to make it absolutely certain that there's never another Rich Paul. Right. And it's just such dirty pool. Like I said, I should absolutely have seen this coming from the NCAA. Well, the first question is, is this really about just Rich Paul, or is this about the NC2A giving the players part of a choice, but not all of the choice they deserve? When did the end? I mean, the NC2A really can't be in the position of evaluating agents for children, and they are still legally, in many cases, minors, who have that right on their own. If there is an agent out there who is misrepresenting himself to players or acting unethically, there, there's law enforcement. The NC2A could basically say, you've been misled, we're going to look the other way. What they're doing is they're punishing the player for making a choice which belongs rightfully to that player. And specifically as it relates to, to Rich Paul, someone has to show me that he has deliberately misled a client. He might be hard to deal with if you're management, but I haven't heard anybody who he's represented it say he stole some of my money right. or he lied to me. <laughs> so it, it's wrong on two fronts. I mean, the, the Rich Paul part, 
Rich Paul's going to do fine. Yeah. This is wrong, but Rich Paul is just going to go, you know what? You want to come with me anyway? Come with me anyway. And even if you can't get back into a college, we'll find a place for you to play. You'll you'll play in the G League. You'll play in Europe. And I can that, do that because I'm me. And not only that, as Draymond Green just showed you, he could wait for your second contract or your third contract and sign you up in the middle of your career. So, yeah, yeah this is not going to hurt Rich Paul, but it is a shot at Rich Paul. Oh, yeah, okay, but I don't care that it's a shot at Rich Paul. It's an ineffective one. But it steals one bit of power that the players had been given a year ago by the NC2A. Said, here, if you want to test the waters, fine, with an agent. that We're okay with it. If you want to come back, you can come back. But now they're putting conditions on the deal they already made, right. which is, oh, we forgot. We don't want you to deal with this guy. And that's what's immoral and unethical. This would make more sense if the education behind it was really more along the lines of a degree specific to being an agent. Perhaps law, perhaps finances, since you were handling so much money. But just having a four-year degree doesn't make much sense. Having a degree specific to the job could make sense to make sure you're protecting the actual clients from getting really bad financial and career advice. So those six letters, F-I-N-A-L-E, spells finale. And with this, we shed a tear. We had fun every single day here at Around the Dial, bringing you the best in sports talk. So let's doff our caps and salute some of the affiliates and shows that gave us the most content. Who could forget 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show in Pittsburgh? shepherding us through the Antonio Brown soap opera saga and stalemate in Pittsburgh. It was like we talked to them every single day. Shh, don't tell them. Shh, nobody <laughs> don't, tell them. Nobody, nobody tell, tell the guys Shh. real bad in the locker room. <laughs> Shh. The always excitable Angelo Cataldi, who we heard from today in Philadelphia, helped guide us through a very crazy Bryce Harper free agency signing with the Philadelphia Phillies in what 13 years seems and looks like on the surface of a free agent deal. You know, I was talking with somebody yesterday and they thought that the Phillies still preferred Machado Ah, over Harper. No, Um, don't say that! A shout out to the thick New York City accents that color WFA to New York from Mike Francesa and Joe Badengo. Two badass guys, that's who we are, right? Uh, Right? Fine, you do your show, I'll do mine, okay? Okay, fine, all right. I mean, I, I, I but don't... But you've got to quote me, quote me correctly. And so many more to thank. We thank you for the dust-ups, the arguments, the calling people out, and the overall frustration, anger, and humor that we get from Sports Talk every single day. This is the final episode of Around the Dial, and so unless this comes back in some type of afterlife situation, that'll do it for us. For the amazing crew here at Around the Dial, including Andrew Kaplan, the master of the editing and the audio work. For Wednesday, August the 7th, this is Around the Dial. And I guess we won't see it tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.